Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, already making use of the sweat towel knowledge from Ross Tucker last week on this podcast, Brandon Newman. What's up, Brandon? I almost called you Brandon. Mike... <laughs> All I do is listen to this podcast and get smarter. I hope everyone else is doing the same. But this sweat rag for the baby wipes, or not baby wipes, it's a, a baby dry cloth. That's what it's called. I messed up saying it earlier because I'm a bad father. Uh, no, these dry cloths are game changers. <laughs> no, I noticed as soon as, as soon as he brought that up the next day, I saw you lift that up out of frame. And I went, okay, that is. That's free game for everyone involved. <laughs> And we hope you guys enjoyed that. We hope you got to see that game. If anyone has not checked it out already, as always, you can download, subscribe, rate, and review this show. We are excited for this week. We've got week one. You said said see that game, and it's an episode, but I like that you're calling our episodes games because it's a game for us. 
You know what I mean? We got there, we 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 compete, we uh, put our best foot forward, and then afterwards we have to look at the tape and like, damn, missed that play. I said this. Ugh, is that what I sound like? You know, all those things. Yeah, no, it's always it's always a good note to start on the off the week there because it is game week, and that's probably why I'm messed up because we know we had week zero in college football, and Lord Jesus, we got more than we could have ever bargained for coming off of that mm-hmm. since Nebraska decided to go and take the L in Ireland. Um, but we've got week one now of college football starting in earnest. The NFL's preseason's also over, so we're in it now in this week. We're very excited about that. I'm heading to Gainesville this Friday for the Utah-Florida game. Uh, that's going to be played on Saturday, so be a little travel involved this week. I got the bobblehead night coming up at the minor league baseball game in Hartford back in Connecticut where I got to throw out a first pitch. Was warming up the arm the other day, getting that ready, Brandon. We got some great guests this week, some of our favorite guests that people may be very excited about Ooh, as we get going along. We were also supposed to have Jason Fitz tonight, which, uh, you know, as we recorded this, he was supposed to join us, didn't because the power in his entire neighborhood went out, so now you get a Gojo and Brandon episode because of course that's what you want coming off the weekend obviously and Brandon again for anyone who wants to see this coming off their weekend make sure you go and check out the DraftKings YouTube page check out the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist all our videos and episodes are up there there's short clips there's whole episodes we've done a bunch of two-part episodes lately all of those are posted up there so head over there check it out you can see our bright shining faces which for me this week will be in a bunch of hotel rooms Speaking of the hotel rooms, Mike, I actually had something planned to speak about to speak to you about right off the top. I butchered that and ended up talking about uh, baby cloths and, and dry cloths and whatnot. But how is it to be back on the East Coast right now? I know you're traveling, you travel a lot, but I think you had a, a pretty long stint in uh, La La Land before traveling just recently. Well, it's just weird for me because this is going to be my first time back in Connecticut where it's a road trip. Like, it's a road game for me. Normally, I was going there, and it was, you know, get to stay in my own bed. I know where all the amenities are. I get to drive up to the stadium. Yeah. Now, I'm going there. I'm staying in a hotel. We're coming in on the bus. I'm the opposing team. And so, that part of it's going to be a little bit different for me, trying to reorient myself around that. But I'm, I'm definitely excited. The one thing that is, like, the byproduct of being an adult is – I'm basically trying to cram a fall's worth of doctor's appointments into a morning because I haven't switched any of that yet. And that was something I had not predicted. So that's the way too uh, inside baseball version of my life right now. But that's where we're at. So we're just trying to get 1% better every day, rise and grind on this East Coast road trip. We're trying to get a dub out here and make sure I don't skip this first pitch in the dirt because in addition to a bunch of my friends and former coworkers that are going to come to the game, my family's also going to be there. And the last thing I want, I got to meet my nephew Jackson this week. Pumped yes. about that. He's doing awesome at being a baby. He's having a real good time being a baby. But I also don't want his first, you know, I think he's like nine weeks old as of yesterday. And while he can basically only perceive certain things within range, I feel like if I mess up this first pitch, he's going to think about me differently and he's going to hold it against me. And I can't have that kind of tone set early on. Yeah, you know what it is, Mike. Uh, it's nature versus nurture, right? I think it will be not Jackson specifically, but your your brother and your sister-in-law, Jake and Jenny, who will inadvertently give Jackson the feeling that like this guy, like your uncle Mike, like this guy, he just he didn't he didn't do well in that first pitch. Even if you mess this pitch up, 
I think your success and your rise to fame, you'll have another pitch uh, in the works in the future. And then Jackson will get to see that one and kind of erase all of that uh, inadvertent stuff that gets pushed into his head. Brandon, I live by the rule that you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So oh, man. I'm, I came I, I came that. out here, knocked this out of the park. I went to the park the other day and was getting pitches there by myself. It had to be the saddest looking setup on earth because in getting ready for this, and we will get to Tom Brady in a second, Nebraska. Yes. We've got roses All to give out here this week. But I did to get ready to throw out the first pitch at the AA affiliate for the Colorado Rockies, the Hartford Yard Goats, a team I love dearly. But again, this isn't Mina Kimes throwing out the first pitch at the Seattle Mariners. It might be even more important for that because the Yard Goats have been voted the top AA ballpark in America three years in a row. So this is serious shit. And so to get ready for it, I went to Dick's Sporting Goods, bought two baseballs, went to a park (laughs) near my house. The baseball field portion of this was locked because apparently it's where the high school practice is over there. And then I had to go along the side of the fence, set set a target up on the side of the fence, march off the distance on my own, and then just throw two baseballs at it and then go back and retrieve them. There was a small family there that was playing with their young son. They were teaching him the beginning portions of baseball and at one point the dad looked over at me and I can't imagine what was going through his head other than what a fucking loser this guy is. I'm sorry to uh, agree with that father. Not because you actually are a loser or an effing loser. It's just like I know that walk you have after your first idea is throttled. Like when you, yes. <laughs> like when you first, like when you when plant A goes wrong, Mike, your head hangs low, your feet drag a little bit more, and you're a tall gentleman, so it looks you look like a sad person. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, I'm trying to project this air that I know what I'm doing, and that I'm merely going along with what I came to do. Not I'm looking for any possible place to fit in. Like I had to look like I was being the one guy in California that was trying to not smoke weed openly and was like looking for a place to hide and go do it. Like, buddy, no, listen, you're, you're not in Connecticut anymore. You can just smoke right. this wherever you want now. But no, I was just trying to throw baseballs to get ready for a first pitch because two. I had, like, can't remember the last time I threw a baseball. Yes, I bought two baseballs from Dick's Sporting Goods. So that is how, how feeling, I though? prepared. I'm feeling pretty good, actually. I was surprised okay. at how easy it came back. Going to try and go up there. I'm not trying to fire it down there. You know, I saw I saw our buddy Jared Carabas at the Sox game really fire yeah. that thing in there. I'm not trying to howitzer this thing in there at all, but give it enough pace to where I'm not thinking about placing it. I just want to go out there, know what I'm doing, let the body mechanics take over, and let it fly. Mike, what do you mean it came back? And then we will get to all the topical news of the of the sorts. But what do you mean it came back? What's your what's your history of pitching? I'm not. I'm just saying the ability to throw a baseball. Like I have oh, okay. not physically okay. thrown a baseball okay. in. You could name a number of years, and I believe a pretty wide range. Yeah, and those things like, are hard and fast, and they they travel. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can. I, I understand your hesitance. It's it's much like in the forty year old virgin. Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? And in this case, <laughs> and in that case, the answer is no. And is that a real question? Um, Brandon, speaking of someone who didn't lose it uh, over this weekend, Tom Brady back in action for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He played in the final preseason game. Uh, Decent stat line there, was only in there for a drive. Had a nice pass down the field to Julio Jones that got everyone hot and bothered seeing both of them come out and put skills on display at the beginning of that game. But for Tom, it was going to obviously be so much more about what happened after the fact. And 
Brandon, it was such an interesting read watching Tom Brady at the podium. People are going to focus a lot on the looks, and I think most of that was just for me because people wanted to talk about his face looking different and asking if he got work. He had a middle part. That was the thing that freaked me out. Like Tom Brady just had a direct middle part, and I think that is what's throwing everyone off, and I don't know why that's not the thing that was said, but he got asked about all of his time away and had actually like a – a quote that almost made me feel bad for him. Like, I won't say all the way necessarily. What, Come on. It's So, Tom Brady, when asked about why he was away, said, It's all personal. Everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on. You just got to figure out life the best you can. It's a continuous process. Now, Brandon, I want to be abundantly clear. I still don't think this statement puts us out of the woods when it comes to the mass Singer. Thank you. I, I, I understand that's Thank important you. to that's us. Why, that's why I was very... I, I, you, explain to me how you feel bad about this man. So the only, the only reason Four. I said that is because... And again, I know there was that article that came out about Tom Brady like a month ago where he talked about raising his kids with all the money that him and his wife have and how... Yes. Well, and so, but I remember this article. They put I'm a headline up there. Oh no! But you, you were, I, you were laughing. I'm sure because of the headline where mm-hmm. they made it sound like Tom Brady was talking about how difficult it was to raise his kids rich. And right. the headline, I actually think, did him dirty. It's like to quote you, right. I wanted to shoot him some bail, and he just talked about trying to raise his kids with the values that he had, even though they've got means he never could have dreamed of when he was a kid. And while it's not a problem in the way that we think of things. For Tom Brady and his reality, I'm sure he's looking at this saying, it's my job as a parent to try and do my best at this. And for a guy who's still playing football at 45, I'm sure that's got to be a tough, conflicted feeling at times for how that's going for him. But I just I thought about that and I thought about how we talked about if this really was, as was reported and rumored uh, at the end of last week, a family trip that had been put on the books when he was retired with him and his wife and his kids. I thought about having to, you know, balance all that and what it was like going through. And it it sounds even weird as I said it out loud. But in that moment, I was like, oh, man, you know what? Like, I'm sure this is a bunch of stuff on both sides. Like, Tom Brady, do I believe in his hearts of hearts? Probably wanted to retire last year. And then the news came out and pride takes over and all these things change. And now he's back for one more because he wants to go out on his terms because he's Tom Bleep and Brady. And then his family's on the other side saying, dude, we've been doing this for two decades and we thought we were finally done with this. You're going to give us what we want. So it was interesting to think about if it was maybe the, you know, Occam's razor, the simplest answer that this is just a guy kind of caught between worlds right now when it comes to the career that he's loved and been the alpha competitor at for so long and the family that I'm sure he absolutely loves and cares about and wants to just see him around more but he's a guy that's wired a certain way we always talk about this with these all-time greats we hear and read people like Wright Thompson write stories about Michael Jordan and about how this guy for so long felt lost without the level of competition that he had had Tiger Woods were watching him make this transition towards the end of his career especially surviving a life-threatening accident Serena Williams is getting ready to leave tennis finally. And so we're watching all these greats of our lifetime that only get to this place because of the specific way that they're wired to go out and attack 
whatever it is they've chosen to do. And so if I put aside for a second my masked singer theories, I go, man, this does have to be... I mean, the guy was retired. He was retired for 40 days. And so often you hear with people, especially in the NFL, because of the physical toll this game takes, you hear people say, once you start thinking about retirement, you're retired. Like once you don't have that mind that's locked into the day to day because the job's too hard. That that line, you know, right. uh, you know, they pay me for Monday through Saturday. Sundays they get for free. It's always when Monday through Saturday becomes too much that guys finally decide to hang it up. And so it just is interesting to kind of what we don't do very often consider Tom Brady the human being in all of this. Maybe I'm throwing way too much empathy at a situation that is just he's the mass singer or just Tom Brady was going to do what Tom Brady wanted because he's been doing this forever. But it is sometimes interesting to consider what we just saw happen this offseason. And he played great in the you know limited action we saw in this preseason game, and he's going right. to be great in this season. But he was retired. The greatest player we've seen play this position was retired and then unretired, and now he's just back, and we're acting like everything's normal. And this was our first sign that everything's not totally normal in what went into this. Okay, yes, I hear you, but... Also, I, I, I think I feel more for his teammates than I feel for him, right? Like, because I just saw, I saw a blurb on YouTube, uh, Ross Tucker talking about playing for Tom Brady, right? And he said the motivation for playing with Tom Brady and being perfect and being accountable is it's not getting yelled at by Bill Belichick. It's not being the person that lets Tom down because his level of commitment forces you to raise your level of focus and laser and tight and like, you know, get locked in onto the, onto the thing. Quick side note, the Ravens in their preseason, uh, like winning streak is just, in my opinion, a result of how much the players are locked in. And that's the Jim Harbaugh mm -hmm. thing, right? They're yep. just locked in to the game in a different way than the rest of those uh, players are. They're maybe thinking about their jobs versus thinking about the game and the win and everyone working in tandem, right? So for Tom Brady and his teammates, I bet it's probably weird for these guys to experience a different version of him around the locker room. Someone who is caught between worlds. Someone who is has one foot and one foot out. And for that, I feel like you're going to run into – I don't want to be predictive about what the season holds because Tom Brady's Tom Brady and the NFC is the NFC compared to what the AFC is, right, when it yeah. comes to strength and, and power, and like all the quarterbacks and things like that. So I, I think that you're right to be empathetic or sympathetic, but I think it's for the wrong person because his team is learning how to work around this new version of Tom Brady. And I'm sure him with the middle part, even though he knows – Kim Kardashian said it's side part now that he's like he's kind of weird like he's out there with a freaking huge hoodie on like I was it just seems like Tom Brady is in a sense of in a, in a time where he has to rebrand because he actually is a different version of himself than he's ever been yeah and, and that's not to say like I don't believe Tom Brady's working less hard I don't believe that stuff on the day-to-day -day has changed like he's got a routine but you're right it's important especially with a lot of new guys in the building and a lot of new people that are going to be expected to step up because of injury and guys they lost to retirement they're valuable reps for them and I know the first quarter of the NFL season has largely been treated like a preseason now right. because of how little training camp practice you have compared to back in the day and because there's only three preseason games and the starters hardly play anyway but it is when the margins are this thin and you're talking about because this team you know winning the NFC South obviously is the first goal but they're here to win Super Bowls as long as Tom Brady's there it's a one-track yep. mind and so when that's the ultimate goal then these things can start 
start to matter a little bit more. Again, we're probably overblowing a lot of this, but that's what tends to come to territory with Tom Brady. Um, Brandon, we'll get to giving out some Monday roses here in a second, but while we're talking NFL, it's it's probably worth updating everyone on the situation surrounding former Bills punter Matt Areza and the news that happened over the weekend. Uh, for anyone that missed it, Matt Areza and two other current and former San Diego State football players were accused of gang rape in civil court. Uh, they're still waiting to see if criminal charges are going to be filed, but with all of that in mind, the Buffalo Bills announced over the weekend that they would be releasing punter Matt Areza. Uh, Brandon Bean, their GM, came out and said, with the serious nature and allegations, we just can't, we don't have the means to put all these facts together. There's multiple versions of what happened, and Sean McDermott's a football coach, I'm a GM, we don't have access to everything, and so that's been more important than playing football, and so we want Matt to focus on that. Now, Brandon... They ultimately, I think, have done the right thing. And this is less a guilt or innocence and more the seriousness of these accusations right. mean that this person does not need to be out there as the punter for one of the best teams in football right mm-hmm. now. We can get into, again, the notion of right or wrong. I said last week, the fact that you were even willing to risk that for a punter on a team that in two games towards the end of last season didn't punt once just doesn't seem to be logical, let alone something morally defensible. But, Brandon, there's a couple of things that come to mind when you see the way that this ended up coming out. Because when we talked last week, we didn't have a ton of information either. This had Mm -hmm. somehow been a story that had originally had a story written about it, I believe, back in, uh, in June was the first story. And then in late July... There was a larger piece that had resurfaced, and at that point in July, you had the representation for the accuser in this piece reach out to the Buffalo Bills and make contact with them. And that's that's what becomes difficult about this. Uh, Brandon Bean confirmed that the team got what he called the boulders of what was being accused by the plaintiff, identified as Jane, Jane Doe, when the team's assistant general counsel, Catherine D'Angelo, spoke to her lawyer, Dan Gillian, in late July, around the time of that second piece. Now, he says during that call, Gillian laid out some of the things they were accusing Matt and others of. And Bean went on to say, doing the best we could with our resources, talking to the league and using our people to try and find information. But ultimately, there's a lot of things that we have not pieced together even today. We're just trying to do the best we could and be thoughtful and not rush to judgment. He also said that when the team said the team had, you know, gone the team had gone out and um conducted a thorough investigation Mm -hmm. he said the team should have probably described that as ongoing because it wasn't completed so this is where all the inconsistency starts to pop up yep and i'm again looking at the buffalo bills wondering all right so at the if we're taking them at their word knowing there's already a couple areas they've stepped in it Mm -hmm. you said that you were contacted about this at the end of july So you knew about it after the draft. So if we want to say, hey, maybe the Bills weren't aware of this going to the draft, which is something. Because again, this original accusation came last October. Last October. That was when the San Diego police were told about this. And there's a whole separate part of this that San Diego State, the San Diego Police Department, are all going to have to deal with in the timeline of why this is just becoming part of the public dialogue now. But for the Buffalo Bills... One, 
I remember coming out in the draft, I was uh, going to be an undrafted free agent for whoever picked me up. And I got a call from a team that was potentially looking to, you know, make use Sign. of me at some point. Yeah. Sign me at some point. Mm-hmm. And they called me and they asked about a minor intoxication arrest that I had gotten first semester of my freshman year that was off my record after that point, but had happened. And obviously that was much more in the news than maybe this had been outside of that immediate area. But the fact that they were calling about that for an undrafted free agent just to make sure that they had their bases covered always has my antennas up because these teams can be thorough when they want to be thorough. Absolutely. So that's the first part of this. The second is, all right, then if you... If you're going to extend them grace on that and say, all right, you truly didn't know before the draft, you now admitted you were contacted by her legal representation at the end of July. That is well before you cut the punter that Matt Areza was competing with, who has since signed with the Indianapolis Colts, and essentially decided to hand him the job. Mm. And then you've come out and said, yeah, we got the basics of it then. But we were trying to find out more. But then you said there's only so much that we can know because I'm a, he's a football coach and I'm a GM and there's only so much we can know. But now we're going to make this decision because you got called out on it publicly. Like, Brandon, unfortunately, that's where it lands is while I can never truthfully know how much of this Bean and McDermott specifically knew as GM and coach, as an organization – I, I I don't know what your workaround is for we knew this back in July and we were still until the end of last week ready to walk in with him week one as the right. starting punter of our football team. If you've learned nothing new in that process, if you learned nothing new in that meantime there, what was the difference between then and now other than public pressure had mounted and all of a sudden this thing had been spoken out loud and you either didn't know about the backlash that would come, didn't expect the backlash that would come, again, maybe believed Matt Arraza's version of events or whatever he had told you. That's that's what I don't understand here, but all roads, Brandon, lead back to, I don't know how Buffalo can stand up and acquit themselves of this because it seems like they were just counting on this either not getting out or the reaction not being as strong. I, I a little bit baffled, but that's unfortunately that's the position they've put themselves in. No one else did that to them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, not to completely point the finger and think what they were thinking, but it feels like a a team that was the favorite to win the Super Bowl trying to stack the deck, and by any means possible, apparently. And I'm glad that this is being ha- this is happening right now. One of the things that being said was that uh, there's multiple versions of the story that's out there. And my thing is, okay, how about you release the version of the story that you believe that made you want to draft him as a punter in the first place? Because like you said, these scouts can be as thorough as they choose to be. Uh, One of the, I've talked to you before when I was at Ball State and I was basically, a lot of people, NFL scouts, would come in and talk to me about the couple of all-star players, but the majority of the time was talked about all of my former teammates at Notre Dame and who they are as people and, and, and how they are as people and, and you know, how t- seriously they take football. One of our former teammates got kicked off of a team after his X amount of years into with the team, and uh, the Green Bay Packers scout called me out of the blue, Mike. I wasn't even a, I wasn't even coaching for Ball State anymore, and he asked me just straight up. He's like, "Hey, I know you're not there anymore. Like, do you think this problem will repeat itself?" 
and I gave him a, a clear answer. This is four or five years removed from this player being drafted, and it's the Green Bay Packers. So that's just an example of how thorough they can be when they choose to be. I just am, like you said, sickened, and, and uh, it's very unfortunate that this team that has gotten a lot of good press and a lot of good run has the best quarterback in the NFL, arguably, one of the best coaches in the NFL, arguably, could make a, a mistake like this, or not a mistake, could be so Can make a decision careless. like this. I think – I. I, I, they they made this decision, and I guess that's what's baffling. Is you're right. If we believe the best version of the Bills, it's always a reminder. I think there's a lot of good people in the NFL, but I think when the goal is winning at all costs, like mm -hmm. you said on the surface, it sounds completely ridiculous to say that a team that again is so good it rarely makes use of a punter would feel the need to go out here and try and potentially sell their reputation off for someone at that position that's so comparatively less important to what happens on field. And again, it shouldn't be right if anyone had done this, full right. stop. That's the morality part of it. Mm -hmm. This is just another side of it that I look at and am baffled that this organization would take a chance like that when, again, they said they were contacted. They said they had a difficult time learning and finding any more information, but they had been efforting that. But even in that process, they were still, whatever information they hadn't been comfortable with at the end of last week, making a decision about his future on that football team, now all of a sudden, things come to light, and apparently for them, unless they're trying to protest that it was tons of new information that they didn't possibly know, which again, I'm not inclined to believe based on the resources that these teams and this league have at their disposal. And the fact that outside of that, the legal representation for the accuser said they only talked to their camp the one time. They didn't reach mm. out again more to try and find more information out about this. None of to it lends itself well. Yeah, none of it lends itself well to the Bills process. Again, ultimately, I think they made the right decision. I think cutting him at this point was the right thing to do, but it, there are questions that will be asked, and I think were asked. I know uh, there were uh, people that said a lot of people in the follow-up and in that press conference asked you know, pressing questions that needed to be answered in that press conference, but it's a, it's a really unfortunate note for the Bills to walk into this season on, Brandon, and Obviously, with Matt Arays and what happens with him now, that is all going to be the legal process that unfolds from here on out. And, uh, you know, for the accuser, if the you know truth behind these statements is what was said, then I hope there is justice served for the person involved who's been affected most by all of this. Absolutely. That, that's the, the, the part that gets lost a lot when we talk about this football stuff is that hopefully that Obviously, whatever happens with Mario Reza isn't going to make what happened not allegedly happen not happen. So there's a lot more scars that are going to have to be healed on all parties, I imagine. But from a football standpoint, it did mention the fact that Mario Reza was not entitled and would not get any of the, his salary that he was uh, set to get. But he does retain his $215,000 signing bonus. Yeah, which again, comparatively, that was just, that was why I was so stunned this decision took longer than Friday of last week. If you had already been looking into this, you weren't bought into him for a ton. Right. You, yeah. you know, $215,000 is certainly a lot of money to us, but in the NFL world of the salary cap and the things that we care about, that's not enough money to where I feel like this decision should have taken as long as it did 
to come down. But you know, again, at the end of the day, it did happen. It is what we believed was the right thing and what should have been done in this scenario. And now the Bills will go forward without Matt Areza and his situation will become an entirely separate portion of the news that we talk about from here on out. But still unfortunate the way it went down for the Bills and for Matt Areza and for everybody involved there. Um, All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. That is uh, a lot of the NFL news we had to update on. Uh, We wish that that portion of it was better. But Brandon, thankfully, we have still time left on this podcast to make people smile and think about something else a little bit more like no... I don't know, Nebraska losing a football game in Ireland. And uh, with that in mind, Brandon, it is Monday around here. Uh, This is a show that firmly believes that the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise is sports. And because of that, we like to make sure that the people in our sports lives feel loved and give out roses here on Monday. We had Charlotte Wilder with us last week to help give out roses. It's going to be just you and me today. So each of us gets two roses to hand out to anything and anyone from the world of sports or the world of things that can also be considered sports from the go. weekend. So, uh, Brandon, why don't you go first? What's your first rose? Okay, well, I'll give you uh, uh, Choose Your Own Adventures for all our 90s babies out there, 80s babies as well. Shouts out to you, Mike, 89. Um, would you like cultural or sports first for my roses? Um, Give me sports first. All right, I would love to. <clears throat> I like how Charlie did this, so I'm going I'm to start doing implementing it. Yeah, that's, that is true. I should come in like Jesse Palmer and be like, Brandon, when you're ready, these are the final two roses. Trent Jordan Watt, will you accept this rose? Baby, it's TJ Watt time, okay? Now, obviously, he won Defensive Player of the Year, and obviously, he's a Steeler, so he's uh, one of my rivals, me being a Ravens fan. Uh, But I've had this take for a long time, and I think it's finally time to bring it to this program. A lot of people have tried to talk me off of this, Mike, for many years. Since TJ Watt was drafted from Wisconsin, I deemed and demanded and stood firm that he would be, at the end of the day, the best Watt brother in the NFL. The best Watt brother that the NFL has ever seen. And J.J. Watt, or what, I'm sorry, what's his name? Justin James. Justin James did a great job. He's done a great job. He's beautiful. He's, he's, uh, he was the star of Hard Knocks in that terrible season with the Texans. And all those things led me to say, like, I, I respect him. I, I understand what he did was crazy. But I do think not only that sibling rivalry, but that durability, that that uh, 
Remember he was working out in the backyard with COVID and he came right back the next game and had like two or three sacks. I mean, he only he hasn't played much in this preseason. And one of the times, one of the things he did was sack another quarterback. All I'm saying is, I think TJ Watt is uh, just as much of a problem as he was last year. He's going to be that same amount of problem this year, and I want to I want him to follow into next week with me. So TJ Watt, we accept this rose, and also shout out Mr. Brisky, who uh, made sure Kenny Pickett is going to be sitting on the bench until round week four, and my prediction will come true. A lot of Steelers for me with these roses. Yeah, well, and I mean for TJ Watt too, gave everyone the scare. Uh, left their left their last preseason game with a knee injury that. Mike Tomlin said isn't considered serious. It was him and Deontay Johnson, their wide receiver, uh, that went down awkwardly after catching a pass in that game. So Tomlin confirmed the injuries aren't concerning to serious. Um, more serious one for them was suffered by veteran safety DeMonte Casey. But, uh, Brandon, you're oh, yeah. absolutely right. T.J. Watt also has the uh, distinction of one of the more football guy moments in recent memory where he basically went up, told his agents he was done with the contract negotiations before his deal walked into the office, signed the deal, and then like went to lift weights or go out to practice or something extremely Wattian like that. So absolutely plenty of love for J.J. Watt here. Uh, everything you described. T.J. T.J. Watt. Old yes. habits die. Old hate habits die. Watt. Not hate, but, you know. It's, it, listen, J.J. Watt's been complicated for a lot of people over the years, but yeah. T.J. Watt, uh, much simpler, and I think for a long time was really, really underrated and slept on for some reason despite playing – a legacy position in a defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers that's produced nothing but Man. studs at those outside linebacker spots in my lifetime. So go figure. Love for TJ Watt there. Respect for that first rose, Brandon. I, uh, for my first rose, Nebraska football fans. Will you accept this rose? And I don't want to say that actually in jest. I actually have a deep respect for Nebraska football fans for what they pulled off over the okay. weekend uh, being twofold, Brandon, because while their football team, and we can talk about that here in a second, was busy on the field suffering uh, the premier loss of opening weekend, week zero in college football, um, mm. their fans in the stands were getting busy. So um, – uh, Oliva Stadium over there is a soccer stadium and where the rugby team practices over in Ireland. And that stadium, I believe, is one of those uh, cashless stadiums. So it's all, you know, credit card machines, touchless pay, post-COVID world type thing. During the course of that game, it, it, you know what? It's, it's a new approach. And because yeah. of that new approach, over the weekend, what had happened was... Mm. Talk to him. Apparently, somewhere along the wide during that game in Dublin, the credit card machines at the stadium concession stands were apparently unable to function. And Aviva Stadium's catering company, which later clarified this is due to a technical issue with their payment partner, decided that instead of having a full-blown riot on their hands because a bunch of American football fans couldn't get properly lubricated during this game, decided that they were just going to give away concessions, food, beer, all of it was given for free to Nebraska and Northwestern fans during this game. And, Brandon, I had a friend of mine who was a former Nebraska Cornhusker, a proud graduate of that school and a member of their diving team, text me and say one of the vendors actually had the audacity to ask her to write down her name in pencil on a piece of paper so that she could Stop. come back and pay the tab after the game once they had got the systems back online. 
Needless to say, Jane Doe had a couple of uh, gin and tonics after that one, and I can only imagine how many like. Like how many of those more butts? Yes, exactly. Every name that was ever called the most tavern on the Simpsons was used in that stadium to get a beer or something over the course of that game. They also turned it into the uh, return of one of my favorite holdovers from the XFL, which was the proliferation of beer snakes in the stands. It even got to the point where the crowd tried to snake the beer up to the next level of the concourse and ultimately snacked it in half. But you can't dare greatly if you're not willing to potentially lose big. And they did. And, you know, Northwestern fans certainly contributed to that, Brandon, but Nebraska fans were dealing with it and going through their worst nightmare. This was the worst possible version of opening weekend that could have gone down for the Cornhuskers. Yeah, I I agree. But also you got to think about uh, what what, what are these – programs college football programs do it for they do it for the fans and for the fans that took their ass across the pond to ireland to watch this game and then lucked out the luck of the irish got some free food and free beer while their 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 head coach scott frost special teams his way into another loss like i I don't know mike i think i think there might be a net a a net uh a net even at the, at the end of the day for, for Man, Nebraska fans? I, I don't know if they would agree. In their, like This is the point we're at with Nebraska right now, Brandon. So they did lose 31-28 to at Aviva Stadium to a Northwestern team that deserves a lot of credit. Like What we saw this weekend from them, especially, I mean, they beat Northwest or North, uh, Nebraska up along the lines of scrimmage. Oh, yeah. That was dominant. I mean... From that group. It was, it was a, that first quarter was like, I felt like it was like all offensive line play to pay attention to. It absolutely was. Now, that being said, also tons of credit to Ryan Holinsky, their quarterback, who came out. The first half of that game was also a quarterback battle. It was Casey Thompson on one side, the Texas transfer over in this new offense. Mark Whipple, formerly the offensive coordinator of Pitt last year as they went to their ACC Mm -hmm. championship. As we saw what happened with the star quarterback over there in Kenny Pickett. He came over there, and in the first half, Casey Thompson's throwing it all over the yard. It's every bit of what people wanted as Scott Frost finally ceded play-calling control. But on the other side, Ryan Holinsky was dealing. So tons of credit to him, tons of credit to that uh, Northwestern offensive line. But, Brandon, it got us to the same familiar place because the reason this was the worst possible scenario for Nebraska is – it was another nail-biter. You were leading. You were up 11 in this game and looked like you had finally did what everyone, everyone wanted to make the offense's problems, Adrian Martinez. And he's mm. not blameless. And Adrian Martinez is a flawed player. And at Kansas State, I think maybe there's a chance they can use him in ways that will kind of hide some of the deficiencies. But... They thought they were clear of all that. Casey Thompson comes out there with a couple of YOLO balls, has some like Heisman-looking plays. Ooh, and yes. Johnny Manziel-esque. It was incredible. It was all going so well. And then you mentioned the onside kick. There were – it was 28-17 to 17, midway through the third quarter. And all of a sudden, after Nebraska goes down and scores, Scott Frost decides, and he took ownership of this after in the press conference and said it was his call, and he thought he had the better team that day, and he thought they had a chance to end the game with a surprise onside kick that Northwestern easily recovered and then rattled off 14 straight points in the final 24 minutes to win this game by three points. Nebraska now became the first major conference team in the AP poll era, which goes back to 1936 
to lose seven straight games by single digits, according to ESPN Stats and Info. And for what it's worth, according to ESPN Stats and Info, only two teams in FBS football leading by 10 or more in the second half attempted an onside kick last season. So this is not... like I am the biggest proponent of aggressive football there is, Brandon, and I was sitting there with my mouth wide open. Because once you once you saw that happen, we talked to Tom Fornelli on this podcast, and what did he say? Nebraska can't get out of its own way when it comes to these yeah. things. And I don't know if this was Scott Frost with more time on the sideline because he's not calling plays this year on offense, trying to think about everything else. He's got more time to think about everything else and overthinks this because that seems like something you do when you're pressing, Brandon. It seems like something you're doing when you're a head coach that took a pay cut this offseason, that understands that the fire is growing around a place that you love so much. Like, I can't imagine this happening at my alma mater. It's got to be, like, on a human level, very unnerving, but this is not the move of someone who I think is, is not feeling the heat from all sides right now. Well, I think it is the move of someone who is feeling the heat because obviously he gave up play calling abilities on offense, but you know that whole ego thing, Mike. Maybe he didn't have his ayahuasca tea like he was supposed to, but head coaches want to have their fingerprints on the game, right? They want to have, they want to be able to look back at the film and say, oh yeah, I made this decision. This did this, this did that. And it looks like he's having some issues letting go. So he's like, hmm, what can I affect? You know what? Special teams. Let's go out there, guys. We got the momentum. Just uh, and it was a it was a really bad onside kick as well, Mike. Like that's why I just want to talk about that. Like there was well, no skill. Like you can tell that wasn't a well, one that's been practiced I, much. I it was just like a there was a surprise one that you see in Madden when you like try to hurry up and do an onside kick well, while the while the regular at, at, so kickoff was, return team was, was out there. As was pointed out by uh, the broadcast crew. I think the quality of the kick was actually okay for what it was supposed to be, which is just shoot the gap when they're not ready for it. But you kicked it right at a captain on their team who was also a running back. You kicked it at someone who's used to having responsibility on their shoulder. Like it's like supposed to be like the scene in Waterboy where he's like, "Where's my fish?" Like, oh yeah, look for the guy that's sweating and nervous and pissing down his leg. You look for the guy that was most composed up on that lineup and kicked it right at him. It just it all goes back to that feeling of here we go again. And Scott Frost kind of talked about this after the game, and this is going to be the hardest part for them now. You look at Nebraska's upcoming schedule in the next couple of weeks, and it's a bunch of winnable games. Like, they're going to get back in the win column here. I forget who it is this upcoming week. It's Georgia Southern the weekend after that. You know, in fact, let me pull Nebraska's schedule up quick. Oh, yeah. North Dakota. So they play They play North Dakota, who, listen, playing an FCS team with North Dakota in it is always usually kind of terrifying. That version of North sure. Dakota did have a bit of a down season last year. Georgia Southern the week after that. And then coming up before your bye week, September 17th, you got Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. after this, there's nothing you can do in the next couple of weeks that are going to get people not staring at that Oklahoma game like it's the most important thing that you've ever done. Well, also, I think there's going to be a reality to, you said it's not a net zero for the Nebraska fans. I think looking at this schedule, Mike, they're going to look back at this Northwestern game and think of it was the worst thing they ever done. After the Oklahoma game, they got IU and then Rutgers, so they got a chance to kind of bounce back, but they needed these. They needed that win. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously all of us do, all the college football teams need it, but this Nebraska, Big Ten, unranked. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, and Brandon, it's just one of those things that it, it becomes really hard now for, like you said, now that that's poisoned the well, yes, no amount of good after that, especially if you lose to one of your oldest rivals, is really going to be able to undo that. And as a player on that team, that feeling of, oh, here we go again, is really hard to shake. They said seven one uh, one uh, single-score games in a row. Uh, yeah, Seven games by single digits they have lost in a row. When we were at Notre Dame um, during Coach Weiss's last year, so you and I came in under Charlie Weiss, finished with the last Mm -hmm. few years under Brian Kelly. And our last year in 2009 with Charlie Weiss, before he was let go at the end of that season, we lost four straight games by single digits down the stretch of that season. And I remember how much that feeling carried over because when you lose to UConn at home on senior day and you had lost to Syracuse the year before and you've got all these moments, when you get on the sideline in the fourth quarter of a game where if you've been up, a team starts to come back, you look around and instead of thinking, all right, who's going to make the play? Which one of us is going to do this? You're going, oh shit, what's going to go wrong? And to break through that can take a while. Like... I think for us even, going into the first year with Brian Kelly, we lost two of our first three games by single digits that year. And it wasn't really until, I thought, later in that season, we played 15th-ranked Utah at home at Notre Dame. And ended up winning that game in a decently convincing fashion. But the, the, the catharsis after that story was, our home fans rushed the field. And everyone, everyone from the outside did the thing. Like nothing. I say this as a you know now decently longtime member of the national media. We love nothing more than deciding which places could and should and who shouldn't or wouldn't rush the field after a right, game right, based right, on the right, pedigree right, of their right. program. I was uh-huh. like, no, we needed that. Our fans needed that. Everyone involved kind of needed to let that out because there had been this feeling for so long that it was here we go again. And we didn't really get over that in earnest, I think, until 2012 when we started to notch some of those wins in places people didn't expect them from us. But that spot there, as far as just the little bit of belief that can form after you've been beaten down like that in so many of those spots for so long, that's a mental part of this that's very real. And for this team, now coming back off that knowing all eyes are on them and having to do the body clock thing coming back from that again they've got winnable games the next couple of weeks but you're still making all of that adjustment and you're doing it with the worst taste in your mouth possible so it's going to take a lot of fortitude and leadership from a team that we know now in this portal era that might also be something that's a little tougher to come by when your locker room is all still kind of getting to know each other in some key spots 
That's a good point because uh, those guys have different muscle memory than the rest of those players on that team. The, the transfers, and I think it's 22 transfers at, at Nebraska, six of them starting this year. Uh, going back to the, that special teams play, I feel like special teams is the through line between that season at Notre Dame that you just talked about with us and this unfortunate onside kick with Nebraska, Northwestern, and Scott Frost, who's clearly still coaching like he's at UCF trying to win games. So what happened was, I don't know if you remember, Mike, Utah was winning. They were coming towards touchdown Jesus. They were punting towards touchdown Jesus. Uh, I don't know, like towards our home field, like with the t the, where we come out of the tunnel. And Coach, uh, why am I? Coach Elston was the special teams coordinator at that point in time. Dialed up a punt block where Robert Blanton came out as a gunner and rushed the punter. No one's expecting him with them big ass shoulder pads that Robert Blanton always wore. He always said he had no tape. He did not look fly or anything. If you watched the tape, you knew he was real. But other than that, <laughs> he was not threatening. He came, blocked the punt, scooped and scored, Mike. And we never looked back in that game. It was a special teams moment that really saved not only that game, but our season. And with that, I think there may be something to that for Scott Frost in Nebraska. With him knowing that his job is on the line, essentially uh, going into this season, and him trying to make a splash on, on special teams, I, uh, I'll say this, a lot more head coaching jobs, or our jobs in particular, are won and lost in special teams. And I don't know. I don't know how Scott Frost and them come back from this. I hope they can, but I know a special teams moment saved our season, so I can. I know how a special teams moment can end one, even in week zero. Well, and I still have to go back and rewatch that game, but you just look there and all the areas we expected them from last year to have some presence. We had heard all about while it was maybe a little more unproven the depth that they had in the outside, like defensively they weren't getting the kind of pressure that we expected on Northwestern's offensive line. Offensively, they were getting pushed back off the ball and the edges were leaking. So there are football things that are wrong there that I think as the competition goes up over the course of this season that are going to be troublesome there. But Brandon, that was a really long rose that we gave out, but Nebraska football Ooh. gave us a lot to talk about in week zero. So Brandon. We're still giving out roses. Yes, your second rose, please. Brandon, this is the final rose of the evening when you're ready. Jesse, I'm going to be quick. Uh, no. Uh, J.I.D., will you accept this rose? Now, you may know who J.I.D. is, often known as Jid as well. His real name is Destin Choice Route, right? This is for all the Atlanta football fans following uh, things. But anyways, J.I.D. is a rapper from Atlanta, uh, Stone Mountain to be specific. Uh, shout out to Jamoris Slaughter from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, one of our teammates, a safety there, I'm sure real Irish friends remember him. But this rapper, J.I.D., he's our age, Mike, like, like on till the nose, born on Halloween, 1989. I first, he signed with Dreamville, right? He is one of the uh, J. Cole descendants, if you will. And his first album, or his second album came out. No, it's his first album. It's called The Never Story, back when I was out in L.A., 2017. When I heard him for the first time, I was telling everyone about him. I was like, this guy's like Andre 3000 mixed with, I don't even know at the time. It really just sounded like a younger version of Andre 3000. And he just put out his new album, or the third album, The Forever Story. Bunch of features on it, uh, really amazing. But I heard him on a radio interview talking about his history and how he got to rap. He was rapping 
Uh, he was great at football uh, in high school. Went to Hampton, right, the the HBCU, and was start uh, was starting at cornerback there as a freshman. And at that point in time, he was still dabbling in music. Now another uh, another Dreamville. J. Cole signed his Earth Gang, and he was traveling around with them doing stuff, and he was talking about football, and he was like, hey, man, you're really good at this rapping stuff. Like, you should get serious with it. He's like, ah, no, I'm like, I'm a football player, you know, and they laughed at him and said, you ain't getting no taller. Dude's 5'7", right? And it was corner, and he said that stuck with him, and that made him realize, okay, maybe I do need to get into rap, and there's a lot of uh, things in this album that are like calls from his high school and college games, like penalty flag on third, on in the uh, third down. Anyways, it's a mashup of our loves in the sense of hip-hop and, and football, and it's always nice to see a former football player rap, because you can kind of see how their brain is thinking and all the references and just be obsessed with sports and things like that. So he's one of those guys that, like, I think of him, like, as a black Sam McGuffey. He had, like, a great rookie highlight tape or, like, a, a tape coming out, and, like, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, this guy's crazy. He's going to do so much great things. And then he's, like, quietly, he's, like, he's quiet for so long. But then he came back out with something that was, like, one of the best albums, I think, of this year. And uh, I'm just I'm just thankful for him. I'm proud of him. Uh, he's one of those guys that like really takes the craft seriously, so it's really good. So if you're going to listen to anything rap wise this this last calendar year, don't listen to that compilation album. Now this is what I call music that DJ Khaled just put out, God knew or something like that. Go ahead and and, and push play on the Forever Story. I'm just blown away that the Black Sam McGuffey was a thing said on this podcast. A reference to a music artist that I don't know and I'll have to check out, but followed by one of the most niche college football references that you could possibly pull out of your ass. I award you many points, but may God still have mercy on your soul, Brandon. Um, Mine is is very uh, easy for this one here. My second rose goes to Vanderbilt football because... Okay. Vanderbilt football played the Sickos game of the weekend in week zero um, and beat Hawaii 63-10. to 10. Now, going out and beating Hawaii in the night game in week zero on the island is something that's usually impossible and usually a fool's errand to bet against here. But Vanderbilt came into this one as nine-point favorites and went out there and scored every which way possible. The offense uh, was getting a bunch of uh, action on the ground there. Their quarterback's a great run threat. Defensively, they scored a couple of times on defensive touchdowns, including Anthony Orgy, who's one of the best linebackers in college football you won't hear talked about very much because He plays for a Vanderbilt team that I think has lost something like 19 straight SEC games. But, Brandon, they got to go out to Hawaii for an entire week at the beginning of college football season, soak up the sun and enjoy their time, and then go out there and absolutely demolish that team. Part of me does feel bad for Hawaii. That was a team that the prior regime just completely ruined. So much of that team had left in the transfer portal because of the actions of their past coach. Timmy Chang, who is a former Hawaii quarterback and a guy that you know meant a lot to that program as a player, is back at the helm trying to salvage it. And you saw just how far that program has to go. And we had gotten so used to them over the course of our college football lifetime being a team that was part of, you know, that late Saturday night game that could potentially give people, it was usually some version of that run and shoot. And I know Timmy Chang won't really 
go into what the potential name, you know, what this offense is, or if it's a version of the fun and shoot that we saw for so long. But he's got to make up for so much of what Todd Graham to this did to this program. But in the meantime, Clark Lee and the Commodores with their new logos and their new shiny uniforms got a big time win and. This might be as good as it gets for them. I don't know how much better that football team is once they hit SEC competition, but you got to start the week year off basically playing a bowl game. So go off, Andy. You deserve good things, and I'm glad you got some. I'm glad Vanderbilt got a win, mainly because one of our old teammates, Nick Lazinski, is coaching there right now. Uh, but I, one of the funniest things that I heard leading up to Week Zero was the AD of Hawaii saying Vanderbilt uh, doesn't know what's coming to them when they get here. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, they didn't. I don't think they expected a blowout either, <laughs> or like a uh, to, to to hold y'all to zero points. So everyone was right. Yes. Every everybody got something out of that exchange here. So congratulations to Vanderbilt. Congratulations to everyone else who managed to get a win in week zero. We appreciate your efforts, as I know I was glued to the couch all Saturday and look forward to doing the same all of this next weekend. But uh Brandon, with that being said, sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. We've handed out all the roses that we've got here. We've already talked our entire asses off of this podcast here. And so why don't we give the people, give the people what they want uh, and ask the question on everyone's mind, Brandon, which is, uh, do you know what time it is? She had dumps like a truck, 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 thighs like what, 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 baby, move your butt, butt, butt. Let me say it again. She had dumps like a truck, 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 thighs like what, 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 all night heard. This, that, and the third. Let me see if I can go third. Baby. That third, the third, third, third. And I love when the top is go. Love when the top is go. Love when the top is go. That third, the third, third, third. This, that, and the third. I don't know what the finish was, but everything else is fantastic. <laughs> I feel like you wore it. I feel like you wore that um, like a denim jacket today, just to seem even more '90s and early 2000s R and B. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm. I don't know why. I mean, I am wearing a for our podcast listeners. I'm wearing a Alaska denim T-shirt that I got from Alaska, and I couldn't tell you why. I was thinking about Hawaii, and I was like, man, I really wish Alaska had a football team. So I just I just put through it on just because <laughs> I think they. And the rest they say is history. <laughs> That is how the news goes. And uh, Brandon, speaking of the news here, um, boy, it went college football heavy today, but it's because we got a lot of it. Uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan 
came out in a statement, which did you notice everyone this year is doing statements that they put out on social media in the text plaques announcing who their starting quarterback is? No. Like, I understand there was yes. a lot of turnover at some of these schools, and for Michigan, they did use a couple of quarterbacks in varied roles last year, but it seems like every school took the need to really make a formal announcement about who their quarterback was, all our alma mater included, but Jim Harbaugh came out in a statement and said that he will go about start uh, this starting job a little bit differently. They have had two quarterbacks through the course of camp that have been competing for the starting job. Cade McNamara, who was the main uh, stay starter last season for Michigan when all the good things happened to them, beat Ohio State, won the Big Ten Championship, got to the college football playoff. J.J. McCarthy was on that crew and is a little more dynamic of an athlete. They put him there in limited attempts to kind of have a change up, a package that they had in for him. They had both competing, and Jim Harbaugh decided he didn't want to stop that train, and so... He said that Cade McNamara will start the first game of the season against Colorado State and that J.J. McCarthy will start the second game of the season against Hawaii and a decision on the permanent starter will be made after week two. Brandon, all I got to say about this is I don't ever want to hear about Notre Dame's schedule again. I don't ever want to hear about Notre Dame's strength Mm. of schedule not being up to par with people because they're not in a conference. Because Jim Harbaugh, and listen, I can't blame him. Like, if he's looking to gather information and make the best of his football team, part of the reason so many people think Michigan could still be a playoff contender this year is because their schedule got much easier this year. I think they're down in the 30s as far as strength of schedule is, so it's not a total walk in the park. But relative to what they went through last year, bit of a different ball game. He looked at their first two games and said, we are going to turn these into glorified scrimmages. Yep. And we believe that we have the opportunity to go out here and learn what we want to before we have to start playing our Big Ten schedule. Because again, after that, they play UConn coming to them, who UConn hung tough at the beginning. The Jim Mora era gets started. They were playing Utah State, and it looked close for a lot longer than most people would have suspected. Like, I hope, listen, I watched that UConn program when it was really good growing up in Connecticut. I hope that they get good things going back there. They got Maryland after that, so that's an offense you're going to have to contend with more. But Jim Harbaugh looked at their schedule and said, we're just going to use these two to kind of work out the kinks, and we'll figure it out from there. So everybody talking about Notre Dame's strength of schedule, please leave me alone. I love this move completely, though, by Jim Harbaugh, the two starting, the, the scrimmages. But I hope that the other quarterback doesn't play at all in those games. Like, I want, I want a, like, a, a real – does that make sense, Mike? Like, I want, I want every series – Yeah, like, you want it to be a true yes, audition. Yes, yes, true audition because you got to trust your defense to handle it against Colorado State and Hawaii, as formidable as Hawaii has proven themselves since week zero. And then, you know, like, figure it out after that. Because I, I, don't, I, don't I, uh, I don't want muddied waters with this decision. Because I do think this is pretty unique, but it's not unique compared to how dog shit their schedule is. No, it's – I don't know. I can't remember the last time. Now, we know plenty of teams have gone into the season not knowing who their quarterbacks are and it be being decided by actions in the game. We've seen that up close and personal a couple of times. Coach Kelly's favorite. This is just – he said he said the quiet things super loud here about the beginning of this schedule, but uh, they're going to get that opportunity. And for the rest of it, you know, new coordinator this year, Josh Gaddis, who was the uh, winner of the Broyles Award last year for the best coordinator in the country, is now down at Miami. So they kind of filled that role with some co-coordinators internally. 
We'll see how it goes, but both of these guys are going to get a shot, which good for them. I hope they both make great use of the opportunity, and if it's anything like we saw last year, we could still see both of them on the field at one point or another. Um, Brandon, let's get to that. Uh, That is Rory McIlroy going out and doing the damn thing this weekend and hammering it home, winning the FedEx Cup championship, capping off the PGA Tour Summer of Rory as it had been dubbed by so many people. Um, now, for Rory McIlroy, a lot of this was about him being the face of the PGA relative to everything that's gone on with their battle with the Live Golf yep. Tour. The Saudi Arabian back tour that had been handing out money to everyone involved, trying to get some of the old big names of the sport to come over and help them sports wash their reputation. On this side, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods had really loved the charge of being vocal opponents of that. And Rory McIlroy had also played really good golf this year. And so on Sunday afternoon, Rory and Scotty Scheffler, who has been like the number one ranked player in the world for most of this year and has still somehow not gotten into the mainstream conversation surrounding this the way some of his other counterparts had, I felt bad for Scotty down the stretch, man. There were a couple of really tough moments for him and Rory, even finishing up on 18, both of them in opposite directions, fillet their shots away from the hole. Rory's able to scramble and put it in, ultimately get the win. Uh, A nice $18 million payday for the winner's purse uh, coming off him Mm -hmm. having to tap in like a one-inch putt. But um, even in the moments after this, uh, when he was handed the trophy, he said... Um, you know, what this win meant for him with all that as a backdrop. He said, I believe in the game of golf. I believe in this tour in particular. I believe in the players on this tour. It's the greatest place in the world to play golf, bar none, and I've played all over the world. This is an incredibly proud moment for me, but it should be an incredibly proud moment for the PGA Tour. They've had some hard times this year, but we're getting through this. That was a spectacle out there today. Two of the best players in the world going head-to-head for the biggest prize in the PGA Tour, and I hope everyone at home enjoyed that. Get off it, Roy. He's really get off it. He's really gone over the top four. Man, listen, at some point it's just going to come down to while it is wild that you know we saw that go out there. And shout out to Max Homa, the internet's favorite golfer, for I believe finishing tied for fifth in this tournament here. Had himself a great season, was a really good story. Um, but Rory gets to take home $18 million. Nothing to, nothing to shake a stick at. But we know that's what this is all about. Ultimately, I think what's just going to end up happening is the PGA is going to loosen the purse strings on some of these. We're going to see those dollar amounts up to even more because while we've heard a lot of rumblings that after this PGA Championship and the tour season were done for this year, we could start to see some of these live golf signings that people have been talking about, you know, potentially happening all of a sudden start to happen pretty closely it's not going to be until we see one of the really truly big names leave and i think cam cameron smith has been one rumor that might actually register a bit on that richter scale but it's not until that that this is going to start to get any teeth and we know that's still tied to the conversation around what the majors are going to do so there's a lot of meat left on the bone here but this was one a very entertaining closing stanza i did feel bad for scotty scheffler too because as a big, you know, a kind of big guy, he was out there and it was a hot day. You could see everyone was sweating it out, but he had that little bit of pooling belly sweat that started to show up around hole 16 when it was really getting to nut cutting time. And that's the sweat spot there. Every big guy knows this. Once you see the little bit of belly sweat start pooling and you're out in a public place, it's when you know that they know that you're in over your head when it comes to the heat. Right. 
And that's when the anxiety starts to rise. And that's why I was not surprised when he misses what looked like a pretty makeable putt on 17 that could have put him back tied with Rory. Or when that shot went Aaron on the 18th hole. Because once that belly sweat shows up and you know there's people watching you, you get self-conscious in a way that's really hard to overcome, man. And I felt for him. I don't feel for Scotty Scheffler. I'm glad you brought up Cameron Smith because he is the reason why I don't feel bad for Scotty Scheffler. Because I don't, you know, uh, when it comes to casual fans of things, you can just see one thing from somebody who's like, "Mm -mm, not a fan of them. Don't like that at all. When Scotty Scheffler walked in front of Cam Smith while he was looking at his putt, I don't remember what PJ Tour this was, but it was recent. And it was right after Cam was rumored to take that live golf money, right after he won. Didn't he? Yeah, whatever. After he won his champ, uh, his his tour, his tournament, Scotty Scheffler tried to do that little thing, right? Try to do the unwritten rule thing. I didn't like that, and I don't like him. And I hope that he never wins a tournament, Mike. And I hope he always comes up second. And I hope he's always the the Scott Foster, Nebraska, close to losing every time. And I hope he feels it until he decides. You know what? I got to go to live golf and chase this money, because because this that's what that's what should happen. And Rory. We get it. We understand. We hear you. We loved hearing the quotes, and we thank you for winning. But the way he added that extra sauce and lube and oil on that, that feels that makes me feel like everybody else laid down for him because it is time for – it was spokesperson time. It was like, let's make sure that Tony the Tiger wins the Frosted Flake Cup because we need a couple statements. I see, I think it's great that they've got – like, I know, again – bunch of disagreeable money behind live golf but i love that it's turned some of the guys on pg on the pga tour into wwe wrestling promo cutters that is true like we haven't heard and now people we've got tiger talk about talk good about no. the pga tour ever well i wouldn't just like we haven't heard a lot of these guys talk all of that much true. like we went through a while where rory and these young golfers kind of had that rat pack of dudes that was going on vacations together I think Rory was part of that group. Again, I'm going to lump him in because he was one of the young good guys for that long time. It was. I was all the young good ones at one, one yeah, time. But um, but no, like just hearing them out here and seeing something rise up in them that feels like animosity in a sport where there usually isn't a ton of that. I also appreciate that you tried to make a Nebraska reference and ended up having them coached by NBA referee Scott Foster, which... I didn't say Scott Frost. No, that was Scott. That was Scott Foster. So if Chris, I said Scott if Chris Foster. Paul is playing quarterback for the opposing team, now we've got the really ma- the real matchup that everyone's Shit. looking for. Um, Damn it. Okay, but uh, yeah, that's the world of golf over the weekend. Actually, a very entertaining finish to that. And now we know we've got silly season potentially getting ready to get started there. So plenty more to come on that. But Brandon, it doesn't get any wilder than this. Uh, let's finish with the third. Your Baltimore Ravens played a football game over mm, the weekend. Mm, mm, mm. And in that game, at halftime, yep. there was a mascot versus teenagers football game that went on. And in that yes. mascot versus teenagers football game, one young person came off the blind side, lined up Baltimore Ravens mascot, and at that time quarterback for the mascot team, Poe, took him out from behind, went low on him, so badly... That Poe had to be carted off the field at halftime of the Ravens game, Brandon. It was one of the more insane things I had ever seen. The start of the second half was delayed by about a minute because they had to get the cart out there. And John Harbaugh, the head coach for the Baltimore Ravens, actually walked walked onto the field to check on Poe. 
who was down for nearly five minutes because no one was sure if it was serious or not. And no one was sure if this was a mascot being a funny mascot or if he was actually hurt. And instead, this mascot that had to remain in character with the headpiece on as they were getting helped up onto the cart at halftime of this game... It was, Brandon, for everyone that thinks that the NFL, as far as like a normal business, is a cutthroat league, you had a mascot yeah. go down and get carted off at halftime. And then had that same mascot outfit trot its way out in the third quarter. I didn't even know they had a designated survivor backup mascot just on standby in there because there is no damn way the mascot that we saw get taken out on that field walk back out just like everything was cool. If anyone out there listening knows anything about who the backup mascot was that day for the Baltimore Ravens, I want to meet the guy and find out if this is standard protocol across the league. And I want to offer up some well wishes to whoever was inside the Ravens costume that got injured because I hope they're okay. We're all sitting here waiting like in Braveheart, like hold, hold, trying to get jokes off and not wanting to because someone's actually hurt here. But Brandon, this was the most insane thing I saw over a wild weekend. Yeah, I mean, talk about getting jokes off, and it's really not worth the time for people to really try to do it. But we are hoping that Edgar Allen in there un- under the Poe outfit is uh, is is okay. And obviously, they have uh, backup mascots outfits. Mike, those those gentlemen or ladies, whoever's under those mascots, are sweating their ever living. Oh no, balls I'm not talking about the backup mask. I'm not sweating, talking about sweating the actual outfit off. I'm saying they had a backup person to go into the mascot outfit. Well, well, most most NFL teams have most college football teams have multiple. Well, if you have a masked mascot, you usually have two. I like to say that like that, that's that's a common thing to see. If like there's two different ones, yes, Mike. If you you, yes, it's true. Well, I mean, and I know at Notre Dame we somebody, had multiple leprechauns, but usually they were going to different sports. I didn't I'm know about they, the masked ones. I didn't know they had them all at this particular sporting event, just ready to rock. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know they were ready for preseason games. I'll tell you that much. But uh, I'm glad that they had the replacement so the kids can make believe that Poe is still okay when we know that gentleman who was who was injured by Poe. I just want to say shout out to Harbaugh, who he, he did the human thing, man. You always find him being human randomly. And that's what I love about my head football coach, right? It's that when Lamar Jackson was the fourth down, he's like, Lamar, you want to go for it? You want to do it? Oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Like when in all actuality, everybody knows they're going to do it regardless. Right. Like he, he loves he loves implementing just being human every now and then. So, oh, man, too bad. His brother, Jim, is such a weirdo. But I, 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 I love my franchise and I and I hope our mascots are, are recover speedily and get back on the field because this is a bad omen going into the season. We had a bunch of injuries last year going into last season. I'll take this one, but uh, I hope our replacements can, you know, are up to snuff. I feel like these mascot versus kid games are always dangerous. You always see highlights of these mascots, truck-sticking teenage kids. They've got the benefit of this extra padding. It felt like the kids were just sick and damn tired of constantly getting punked by these mascots. Like, it's... Especially in Baltimore. I will say this is not unprecedented as far as a mascot getting carted off um back in 2018 colorado's mascot the costumed one not ralphie the live buffalo but the chip the buffalo mascot that is a costumed bull shot itself in the nuts with a t-shirt gun and had to get carted off in the immediate aftermath Mm. of that 
it was trying to, I think, load it and then accidentally discharge the weapon. And let me tell you what, as someone whose lifelong dream was to shoot a t-shirt gun and got to do it at a Hartford Yard Goats game a couple years ago, an incredible amount of force. Like an amount of force you are not really ready for. I cranked that thing all the way as much as I could and almost hit one of the lights off the top of the stadium. Stop. It's intense, man. So for him to you know, be putting that thing the other way and for that to just get right in the you know mascot no-no places is brutal. It's stuff like that that makes me want not only Jackass to be back, like I want to be a part of it. Because I think I, I'll take a t-shirt cannon to the nuts. I've well, had you would kids. definitely take a t-shirt cannon to the nuts over getting blindsided by a teenager in a tackle football game, right? Well, and getting a ligament torn. That's no fun. But yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Take my because teenager, teenagers are vicious, man. Like even not on the field, I'm afraid of teenagers at this point. Yeah, they're 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 just they're very mean. And I think uh, I will say this as a word of advice as we uh, wrap up this podcast: start being more uh, childlike with your commentary to people. Let's not hide our things. When you hear something, it's like, hey, that hurt my feelings, or hey, that was kind of mean. Just like, just let's let's bring it down so we can all move forward as we go into this. Uh, I think this is good advice as we all try to coordinate watching football for long periods of times. For all that, everyone has significant others. For everyone have kids around. Mike, I just talked to Michelle about possibly getting a nanny on Sunday, and she laughed at me and she was like, "I don't see why we would need that." I was like, "Don't you need help on Sundays?" She was like, uh, "Yeah, that's why you're here." And I was like, "Yeah, but oh, buddy." You are getting to my father's favorite pastime, which was sitting around anytime. And my mom is one of the coolest people ever and has, you know, been around been around sports and all this thing for a number of years and understands that that is part of the job is being up to date on all this stuff. But that didn't stop my dad every Sunday or every Monday night or every Thursday night or every time the World Series was on or any time a sporting event was on that he was going to sit down and watch looking at my mom and saying, listen, I can't do anything else right now. It's for work. And just expecting rave laughs every time like it was the first time he told the joke. So I applaud you for stepping into that same arena right now, man. You did it effortlessly. Effortlessly. And uh, Oh, man. God, yeah, it's not going to work. No, it's not going to work. But... uh we hope Effortless is what this podcast was for you on Monday. We thank everyone that makes it to this point, as always, and hope you download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Make sure you go check out the DraftKings YouTube page. Head to the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Check out some of those videos and get our views up here. Show everyone how much you enjoy seeing Brandon's denim jacket on screen. Tell your friends, because word of mouth Do it. is the best mouth. And as we always say around this podcast, we want to know what that mouth do. <sighs> oh, maybe maybe not. Uh, also, uh, all football season long, we will obviously have plenty of things going. We'll have our roses going out here. We'll have the NFL top five, bottom five. We'll have plenty of picks coming later in the week. And we are also always on the lookout for great, uh, large people doing great things. Yes. We had our first thick six, an offensive or defensive lineman, getting loose in the end zone that made its way into my mentions on Twitter, at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter, at Brother Brandon, or at Gojo Show. If you ever see a big person score a touchdown in a game, 
Holler at us. Let us know. Hashtag Thick Six with it. Brandon, a fine young man playing offensive line at PRP, your former high school in Louisville, Kentucky, got loose because one of his wideouts in the open field felt like he was going to share the love with the big guys, and it made a beautiful moment. Wideout number one, he is committed to Kentucky. He blocked nine kicks and punts last year, Mike. Nine kicks or, or a field goal or a, or a punt as, as a, you know, the edge rusher. So I'm really excited for his future, but more excited that he wants to feed his PRP big boy brethren and hand the ball off. Mike, we, we played a lot of bad teams in Louisville these first two weeks, Valley and Doss, uh, for all the Louisville people listening. But shouts out to PRP, looking good right now against bad competition. Hopefully you keep it going. Uh, thank you, Mike, for tweeting it out because now I have people in my high school who know me by name are finally following me on Twitter. So Shout out, PRP. There we go, bringing everyone together. And that was senior wide receiver Jacob Dixon who handed Jacob that ball Dixon. off to fellow senior Nolan Haley, the offensive lineman who ended up getting in the zone. Always want to give love where it was due. So everybody, spread that same big boy love. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.